Hello, I'm Paul Goddard. I'm Jeff Watts. And welcome to the Agile Podcast, the show in which Jeff and I discuss what Agile is really all about over a pint or two in the pub. In each episode, we chat about our experiences as two Agile coaches in today's ever-changing world. So grab yourself a drink from the bar, pull up a chair and enjoy what I'm sure you will agree is probably the best Agile pub-related podcast in the world. Here we are. Welcome to the hybrid kind of pub. Yeah, so it's not quite a pub, but it's not virtual. No. So, um, a little fishing lodge. Yeah, little fishing lodge. Hard days fishing today. Me and Jeff are on a fishing break. How much did we catch, Jeff? It's not about the catching, is it? <laughs> it's, it's about it's, the taking part. It's called fishing, not catching. And um, today we were fishing. Not yeah, catching. Not catching. But there's always another day. There's always tomorrow. Yeah. We inspect and we adapt. Mm, that's very true. So, uh, uh, what are you drinking, my friend? I'm drinking one of yours tonight. I've run out of cider. So, this is Gran Reserva. Polo Malto. Premium lager from Peroni. I'm very jealous. Why? Well, because I bought that for me. We can have some. It's all right. It's very nice, Jeff. Is it? What's it taste as like? As far as beer goes. As far as lager goes. Well, I gave you a choice. Tastes like sweat. That's my summary <laughs> for you. Tastes like sweat. Tastes like sweat. Well, I'm drinking La Chouffe, a Belgian Wasn't beer. he the, a villain in, in uh, Casino Royale? Have you seen that film? I have seen it. Well, the Daniel seen, Craig one. Yeah, yeah. Was he? Yeah, it was La Chouffe. La Chouffe, yeah. It's a Belgian blonde beer. Very nice. Had this, uh, I don't expect you to remember... But it was the podcast where you were in Amsterdam and I was in Hull. Oh, uh, yes. And I had it there. So, cheers. Cheers, mate. All the best. Mm. Nice glass of sweat. So, <laughs> I thought today, yeah, given we haven't really got a topic of our own, mm. that we would actually take some questions, or okay. at least a question, and see where it goes. Where has this question or questions well, come so from? Well, so I... I Put it out there on LinkedIn that we were starting a new series. Okay. And if anybody wants to get involved, you know, we'll ask some questions. And actually quite a few people responded. Okay. So um, one of them was from, and apologies <coughs> if, if I get the pronun- pronunciation wrong, but Debashish Gush. He said he was inquiring about the law of immutability and should that be changed? The law of immutability. Tell me about the law of immutability, Jeff, well, for someone who doesn't know what it is, so like, like me. Immutable means unchangeable, basically. Okay. And uh, Ken Schwaber, m- probably more than Jeff Sutherland, but officially Ken Schwaber and Jeff Sutherland have been very, very strict on Scrum is Scrum. Mm. And Scrum doesn't change. Mm. Now, over recent years, it has changed a bit. Yeah. Uh, but still it still says in the Scrum Guide, Scrum is immutable. Mm. If you change this, it is no longer Scrum. Mm. And Debashish says, that doesn't seem to fit very well with the idea of Shuhari, which Mm. I think he's got a point. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've gone on record as saying, actually, if you're really good at being a Scrum Master, you will help your team and ultimately your organization get past the need for Scrum. Mm -hmm. And along the way, there will be times when actually the team might decide that some of the scrum ceremonies aren't really that useful anymore and they find different ways to achieve the same goals. So he's saying, should 
actually that be taken out of the scrum guide and, and officially scrum be open to change what do you think well i i think i wonder i'm trying to i'm trying to justify right i'm mm. trying to justify why ken and jeff may well have said that and may well still say that and um i think i think why is because it was it was a very much aimed at new organizations or, or organizations that were starting out that were trying this stuff to say it's this is a diet for your company this is this is a this is a fairly drastic strict mm. crash diet okay and it's it's basically cold turkey isn't it you've just got to it's gonna hurt mm. it's gonna be painful but it's painful for a reason and you've got to stick to it yeah you've got to stick to it um that's the rationale in my head why why teams new teams in that shoe, shoe rather than ha and re stage were need to just do the basics just just stick to it and maybe maybe the scrum guide is still aimed very much too much at that at that starting point mm. um but i think i, I maybe I'll, I'll go maybe have they less you certainly hear them saying that less now, maybe. I just don't hear them as well. So Perhaps we just don't hear it very well, we're not, as, as often. Yeah. So back in the day, we were in those gatherings um, and conversations where people would question, does this have to be that strict? Mm. What if? Mm. What in these circumstances? Um, and I always found it quite ironic, really, how unservant leader like Ken was mm. he was very much my way or the highway and I'm going to tell you and, and you do that and it there wasn't really a lot of what I would call psychological safety mm -hmm. in in the scrum alliance which I think is very ironic mm. given you know the values and the change that it's looking and the culture it's looking to promote uh, now, obviously, it's been a long time since Ken was part of the Scrum Alliance, so uh, you've got to you've got to separate the now from the then. Uh, and I'm not saying that Scrum.org is like that. I, I genuinely don't know. But from from those times when I was there, I can I can remember people being called out and ostracised. Mm. Literally, they mm. they had their license to work taken away from them. They were kicked out just from from questioning things. Mm. Um, and yeah i don't i think yeah i think you're right it 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 is focused now if i'm i think that was also a sign of the times there wasn't a lot of other there was at you know 20 odd years ago um there was scrum was scrum was a small a small part of, of a very much a waterfall world mm. um and there wasn't a lot of other alternatives so I again I I'm playing devil's advocate here and, and and it may well appear I'm sticking up for for Ken in that in that respect but I think he was defending that the integrity of that yeah. because if you start and he still would say this now I'm pretty sure if you if you compromise once you'll compromise again and if you change if you water down if you dilute that part of scrum then you're in some way. I'm sure he used to say this. You're in some way sticking a sticky plaster over 
a dysfunction that the organization has. He used to have, I don't know if you remember this, he used to have, and we, I used to use them a lot at my, my CSMs back in the day. He had like twelve, an odd number, like twelve or fourteen points at the end of a class that he used to read out. Do you remember that? And one of them was around every time, every time an organisation changes Scrum, is in some way um, avoiding or or papering. The, the, the metaphor was papering over an organisational dysfunction or hmm. or, um, or 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 crack appearing. Um, I think that is true in I the true state. Yeah, and I think at the time, 20 odd years ago, I think we... There was nothing but shoe. There was nothing but shoe. It, the, 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 the choice was, this is, this is a different way, you've got to stick to it. It's and a to new make, make such a drastic change, I think you've got to be a bit dogmatic and a bit hard line almost. Maybe. Yeah, to uh, stick by your guns. Maybe those people who did question him at the time were ahead of the, you know, ahead of the curve. And maybe they were starting to think maybe there's a, a yes and to this rather than a yes but. Well, I think, and this is just me putting my own interpretation on it. I've got nothing to back this up whatsoever. But I think there's, there's probably two, possibly two aspects to this. One is that just the state of things and that it mo was mostly shoe at the state and actually to make those kinds of changes you've got to be quite disruptive you've got to be quite you know controversial almost mm -hmm, and quite mm -hmm. strict um i think the other thing that was at play there is that ken got too much of himself wrapped up in scrum and by what what i mean by that is when people criticized scrum he took that personally. Mm. Um, and it's almost like, well, if I change Scrum, then I have to change me, almost. Yeah. And I don't think that was necessarily conscious on his part, but I think there was very much a, like a parent yeah. thing, mm. not wanting to see their child grow up in a way, but they do, but they don't. And it very much felt like, because I was, I was there in some of those early retreats, it felt, Ken was would be standing at, at the front, and we as as CSTs at the time we were student we were students mm -hmm. in his class. Yeah. So there was an element there of te of hi of him teaching us. That white coat syndrome as well. Yeah. So so kind of holding him up there as this kind of um, this leader that we that that knew what we should do or knew how how to transform a company mm. knew how to 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 allow Scrum to succeed. So we were. We were all, to to an extent, um, students in his class, his own class at that point. Yeah, and there was, you know, you could get all the scrum trainers into one room easily. Um, the first retreat I went to, which was after the first retreat you went to, you probably went to smaller ones than me. But there would be twenty to thirty tops people in the room, and that was that was the entire guy, as it is now, the guide community. That was all there was. You could fit them into one room. So. Things are a lot bigger now, and, and, and ideas have moved on a lot further, a lot more. People have got other other ways of thinking, and there's just more options. There's more. Well, that is a really good point, because I don't think it's up to them anymore. No. Even though they're still clinging on to the ownership of the definition of Scrum through the Scrum Guide, I don't think that that really matters to most people anymore. I think, I think it has moved past them. Mm. Um, and whether or not they 
really relinquish their their hold on this immutability of scrum or not i don't actually think matters no and i don't mean that as a disrespect to them but i just don't think you know i think scrum.org scrum.org has evolved way past ken there's no neither of them are associated with the scrum alliance anymore no um you know what i'm doing is is nothing really to do with the scrum guide uh, I think most of the organizations out there aren't particularly bothered about the Scrum Guide. No. Um, they all know in reality that it's a journey. It's it's not a solid state. And I think once you understand... I think once you understand the why of the Scrum... Call it the Scrum Guide, but with the why of Scrum rather than the what of Scrum, I think I think you, t you can move past it. I think... And I think... I'd like to think... I mean, I, I haven't spoken um to ken for a, a long time mm -hmm. a long long time i'm trying to remember the last time i did i think the last time and we've probably covered this in another pub, pub podcast before but the last time i saw ken he actually thought i was nigel um and said hello to me hello hello nigel and i just kind of <laughs> kind of was in sh just shock much to nigel's amusement amusement at the time but yeah i think um um I can't remember what I was saying. Well, I think that actually there's an opportunity because one of the other questions that was in that LinkedIn post yeah. was around psychological safety. Okay. So if we make that link from my claim mm. without any kind of evidence or backup, just my own personal opinion, I don't think there was a huge amount of psychological safety in the early days of the Scrum Alliance. Mm -hmm. Um how do you go about building up psychological safety in a, in a team was another question from Asha Palo. Mm -hmm. um, and that sense of ultimately, how can you create an environment where people can comfortably challenge the status quo, have different opinions, encourage, facilitate and be change without fear of you know, significant repercussions. Mm. Now, I know this is something big to you. It's like 20% of your book, right? <laughs> is around creating safety. So um, I will I will doff my cap and say over to the uh, the, the improvisational safety expert. <laughs> um, so I, I think for what it's worth, Jeff, um, I think a lot of safety is, is primarily about... Um, admitting and being comfortable with being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. um, you could argue that's a bit of a chicken and egg situation. If you, you, yeah. you can't feel vulnerable unless you, unless you feel safe, but then you need to feel vulnerable in order to feel safe. So what comes first? Um, I think... The egg, obviously. Uh, <laughs> I think um, demonstrating, being being comfortable enough to admit um you're not perfect and as as a leader as a facilitator as um someone in that room as 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 Ken standing in front of a peop a bunch of CSTs in a in a retreat in Minneapolis when I was there him standing at the front um saying look I'm not perfect I've probably got this wrong I'm open to new ideas so as a creating an environment did he say that no, I was no. not saying okay. he could, he could oh, have, right. okay. he could have said that. 
And I think if uh, if if we all are willing to to show just to turn up and show a little bit of vulnerability, one by one round the room, something you um, as an improv exercise, so admitting that something you screwed up yesterday, admitting something that um, something that um, you're not particularly proud of, or something that uh, and we play this little game. Uh, uh, from an improv point of view you call anyone who and then you admit to something that's gone wrong and then you encourage anyone else that's that's had that suffered that same uh, experience in the past to also share that so sharing common vulnerability mm. is a way of people feeling oh it's okay it's okay. presumably you don't have to jump in at the deep end right no you, you don't have to you could make like you could make it um non-work related yeah. for instance you can appeal to people's more human side um, yesterday i forgot to take the bins out yeah, that, that, yeah, it's 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 a mistake. Yeah, but it's not. So yeah, I did this exercise once, and it started quite light-hearted. And um, but as we went through the exercise, and I might again, I, I, I my memory uh, escapes me now. I might have mentioned this on a podcast before, but one of the uh, one of the guys in the room said uh, last week I uh, screwed up, I broke the build, and I had to come in. Nobody knew I was here. I was here till four in the morning trying to fix it because I felt so terrible. Okay. And, but the act of doing that and then the act of his team saying, oh, you know what? I, I've done that. It, it really sucks. It's really, yeah. And, you know, if you're ever in that situation again, just don't be afraid to, to say, and, you know, because I've done it before. I know about it feels. I, I can help out. So, so that wasn't him showing off and like, you know, I stayed until no, four. No, because he could see the guy was quite upset and he felt... Yeah. awful about it um but it was a way of that little bit of strengthening that you know we all make mistakes the the other thing that we do a lot of improv around is is mistakes mm. and the idea of kind of playing with making small mistakes Ooh. what i'm gonna make a note okay so the idea of of short t taking short turns like playing a game where it's easy to screw up yeah for a small thing make light of it move on do it do it again mm. so getting into that just small habits of making small mistakes makes bigger mistakes easier to to swallow yeah and that is there such a thing as a mistake in improvisational comedy no if you ask richard branch he'd say to me, he said to me, all mistakes are gold. That's where, that's where the gold is. So he used to say, Josie Lawrence, who's a, a, obviously an excellent improviser, she would, quite often she would mispronounce a word or mishear a word. Yeah. And the audience knew that she'd misheard it. And the, then the, all the, the other cast would, would go along with this idea, okay, she's completely, and this is brilliant now because she's misheard it. She thinks it means something else. Yes. And then you carry on with a whole new story and scene and the audience love it. So... In many respects, that those those small mistakes are where the um, where the beauty is in mm. that in that in the art. And, and so so so, I'm going to try and play back a little bit what I've heard there to try and summarise for for Ash's benefit. So the idea of the chicken and egg thing that safety only comes from vulnerability, mm -hmm. and you can't really be vulnerable unless you feel safe. So it's kind of a, so you break that by making a really really small mistake, mm. realizing that it's normal, mm -hmm. realizing that actually it's not terrible, and then 
you feel more comfortable to and I think seeing other people make mistakes yeah kind of reassures us that we are all everyone makes mistakes even even the best make mistakes well yeah everyone does isn't it there's that Michael Jordan quote if I've missed ten, I don't know 2,000 shots yeah. or whatever um, you know and, I, and I'm and I'm good because I keep missing mm. I terribly and brutalized that and that's that why quote. I say yeah the reason I've, I've failed so many times is why I succeed yeah. something like that um, and I've got in my head such such a vague um, metaphor is not the right thing because it's something real but a thing from a movie and mm -hmm. I couldn't tell you the movie I couldn't tell you the, but you would be able to pull something or certainly Nigel would mm -hmm. um, of this idea of yeah that's me that's me and it gets more and more until someone it just goes too far mm -hmm. and they you know they overshare yeah and everyone's like yeah yeah you went too far there yeah and there's an element of like sort of the funny side of thing of me is thinking that you know we go around the room okay you know i i broke the build mm. um yeah uh i accidentally peed on the ceo's carpet or whatever yeah. okay you've gone too far yeah yeah um most teams don't go that far no no that's right but fear fear is an interesting thing right so fear is is very very tightly linked to safety so i'm i'm not going to feel safe if i feel fear yeah um I came across an acronym for fear, which was false evidence assumed real. Okay. Mnemonic, mnemonic, mnemonic. Mm -hmm. false evidence assumed real. And a lot of our fears are basically where we have turned false assumptions into reality. Mm -hmm. So we think if I say, I don't know, mm -hmm. If I admit to breaking the build, mm. I'm, I think this is going to happen. Mm. And more often than not, those things aren't going to happen. Mm -hmm. And so actually there is a lot more potential safety in the average team mm -hmm. than we think there is. Correct, yeah. And someone's got to break that taboo and be brave mm. to prove that that safety's there. Mm. And that's... Sometimes you only really realize that's there when you mess up and someone helps you out or someone tells you that's happened before. We know how to deal with it. It's okay. Got another link. Go on then. So when you said that, you only really find that out when you mess up. Mm. And so that brings me on to, and we've done, we've talked about this not on the podcast before, but you know, with teams about different levels of trust mm -hmm. and how to begin with, you know, you, you've got distrust, right? At one end of the spectrum. And I might trust you a little bit because I know we've got a contract in place. Mm -hmm. Now that doesn't have to be a formal legal contract. It could be an informal personal contract. It could be a social contract. But the idea that if you screw up, then I have come back. Mm-hmm. So it's in your interests not to screw up. Therefore, I can trust you a little bit. So that's better than distrust. Mm -hmm. But it's still based on rules. Yeah. And then um, what some people will call competence-based trust, which is, okay, I've worked with you. I know you're pretty good at what you do. Mm. Therefore, I can trust you to do this job because it's within your skill set. Mm -hmm. And that could be, hard skills it could be soft skills whatever um 
so that that's a deeper level of trust a stronger level of trust and then there's identity based trust of I know you as a human being you've had the opportunity to screw me over mm. and you chose not to so that idea of I screwed up in your presence you have a hold over me you mm. could make a fool of me you could dob me in yeah, see me punished yeah. whatever and you chose not to now I know I can trust you mm. really trust you and that sense you'll only find that out so that, that Henry Stimson quote the only way to make someone trustworthy is to trust them mm. you have to be willing to be proven wrong mm. to actually find out that someone is trustworthy mm. and someone trusts you mm. Mm. that was a bit deep mm. nice um so what can you do? What can you do? So, okay, a um, couple of things that come to mind for me. Um, be curious rather than judgmental. Mm -hmm. So one of my favorite phrases is, it's not good, it's not bad, it's interesting. So anything can be good, anything can be bad, but with a curious mindset, everything is interesting. You know, this idea that there are very few people out there that deliberately want to screw up and there are equally few people that want to see me fail, mm -hmm. really, objectively. There are probably a couple, but not many. Um, and so assuming that that person is acting with positive intent, I think, is is something to encourage. And picking apart... So a couple of episodes ago, we, we did something with those strong cards, strength mm -hmm. cards. Yeah. And each of those strengths had like an inverse, right? Mm -hmm. So... Um, if you're, I can't remember now, it was a while ago, but if if you were, um, say, really enthusiastic or, or, or you know, driven, mm -hmm. then the flip side of that is someone might see you as impatient. Yeah. So, so looking at interpreting things from a different perspective and then being able to generate empathy for other people's actions. I think that, that curiosity and, and positive regard, I think, help build psychological safety. Yeah. Empathy certainly does, yeah. Yeah. So any other tips for building psychological well, safety? Practicing it, on that word about empathy, practicing empathy. And this could be something as simple as emotional check-ins to a daily stand-up. Go so, on, so, explain. So just kind of acknowledging, firstly in yourself, um, as an extra part of that daily meeting, today I'm feeling frustrated, mm. today I'm feeling tired. Um, so that's just getting people comfortable with expressing their own emotions. Mm. Um, you can stretch that to other, as as that team develops more of a sense of emotional understanding to tr um, involving it in retrospectives, um, perhaps even trying to uh, write down emotions that they've they've noticed people experiencing like a memory test of what they've experienced over the course of a sprint okay so again just the idea of more frequently talking about emotions positive and negative um, might that be a good place to start with the positive so i then i can imagine scenarios where i'd actually be a little bit uncomfortable saying i feel happy or i feel excited um, but that's probably, if I looked at it objectively, a safer emotion to put out there than scared mm. or sad. Mm. So my starting with, I don't know whether this is the right word, but easier emotions mm -hmm. be a, 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 something you'd recommend? Yeah. So, so there's there's loads of um, 
there's these emotional wheels. I, I, I should know, I should be able to remember the names of the, the authors and, and the companies behind them, but basically giving giving teams an, an emotional vocabulary, which starts in the middle with, with core emotions, easy emotions to, to distinguish, okay. happy, sad, angry, that type of thing. But then looking and learning how emotions can be expanded and be, become more specific. Nuance. Yeah. But also how emotions two emotions together can equal a, another emotion. So knowing how your emotions, you might be feeling that emotion because you're feeling these two other emotions at the same time. Okay. So it, it's more complex, much more complex than I'd realized. Um, and there's some really nice, easy to use kind of retrospective tools around emotional wheels and just helping people give, giving people emotional voca vocabulary just to talk, to talk around rather than having to come up with it in their own head. Mm. Actually, even silently marking it anonymous, anonymously on a chart allows you to gauge where that team is emotionally-wise. Well, you've almost thrown that in there as a, a throwaway comment, but I think it's worth pulling out mm -hmm. explicitly from a psychological safety, safety perspective. Not everyone's going to be as comfortable verbalizing things. No, so you can anonymize it, yeah. And so, well, even just writing it down yeah. could be... Yeah, easier, safer for some people, even if it's not anonymous. But then anonymizing it is even safer. Mm. Um, and that sort of brings me back to another of my favorite quotes, if you like, which is treat everybody the same by treating everybody differently. Mm -hmm. um, so meeting every individual where they are, because there's a difference between your definition of safety and my definition of safety in this context mm -hmm. and your definition of safety in this context and your definition of safety in another context. So being able to, to meet people where they are and actually say, do you know what? Not everybody has to be the same. No. That helps. Cool. Well, it helps us. I don't know whether it helped Debashish and Asha, but we'll ask. We'll try and tag them when we put this out there and see whether that question... If you've got any questions or, dare I say, philosophical topics you would like us to discuss on a future episode, drop us a note. Um, you can either get us on LinkedIn individually. Or we're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Twitter. We're on YouTube. We're everywhere. We're everywhere. You can find us. So, yeah, give us a shout. Hi there, I'm Jeff Watts, and this is a special moment because this is the first of its kind. In over 200 episodes of the Agile Podcast, this is the very first episode to be sponsored. And this episode was brought to you by Barefoot Coaching. Now, I've personally experienced the amazing professional coach training at Barefoot. And over the years, I've also recommended countless Agile coaches go down that path themselves. And every single one of them has come back to me to tell me how amazing that experience was for them as well. So I've got absolutely no qualms sitting here telling you about how amazing Barefoot is. Barefoot were one of the first in the UK to provide ICF accredited and university approved coach training. And over 25 years, they've trained over 5,000 coaches from all over the world. They've been rated five stars out of five on Trustpilot. And the PG CERT program is regarded as the gold standard of coach training by none other than the International Coaching Federation. So 
If you're interested in developing your personal and business coaching skills, now's probably the best time to do so. Head on over to their website, barefootcoaching.co.uk. And what you can do there is you can book yourself on a free, completely free, taster session where you can experience an actual day with an actual cohort in an actual class setting. See what it's like? See if it's for you? For no obligation. But if you do choose to apply for the program, you probably will, then make sure you quote Agile Pubcast on your application because then you will get a free goodie bag worth well over £100. Now, I'm briefly going to hand over to the Head of Creative Development, Adam Goodman-Smith, and the founder and CEO of Barefoot Coaching, the amazing Kim Morgan. Thanks for listening. Hi, Kim. Hi, Adam. You know, I was thinking, there really is no single route to arriving at the Barefoot Coach Training Programme, is there? No, there isn't. People come from all walks of life, from the armed forces to aromatherapy, HR to hairdressing, and teaching to taxi driving. But regardless of where they arrive from, they all share the same desire, and that is to make a change, to make a difference. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. So whether people listening want to coach friends and family, coach at work, or in a new career as an accredited coach, when it comes to coach training, no two journeys are the same. You can find out where the Barefoot Line could take you by visiting barefootcoaching.co.uk. We've spent a bit of time talking about, um, well, we started off with immutability. Yes. Uh, I think the bulk of the conversation really was around psychological safety. Any kind of landlord logic that we can apply to this? Landlord logic. <laughs> landlord logic. So this is, uh, I found one in, the, in one of my local pubs. Okay. It, just one of those little plates. Uh, metal plates on the wall uh and i was um i was with my son who wasn't drinking okay at the time taking him to the pub like a good dad like a good dad does um and he said let dad let's go and sit in the naughty corner and i said what and he wasn't sending you to the naughty corner then he was he was he saying, wanted to go and sit okay. in the naughty corner so on the wall we'll put again we'll put a picture of it up was a little plate saying um the naughty corner which I thought was quite was it was it was interesting, and he yeah. wanted to sit in the naughty corner. Okay, so he liked the idea of being naughty. Yeah. So you can't have psychological safety if there is this metaphorical. I don't know how global this is, but um, part of our uh, I don't know, there was a bit of a parenting trend. Maybe you, 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 the naughty step. Yeah, we had a naughty step. The, the bottom, the bottom step. Yeah, step of our sort stairs. of a timeout area. Yeah. And I don't know. You sit sit them there for like a minute for every year of their age or something like that <laughs> i forget but yeah this idea of and I, and I actually tell um a bit of a, a jokey story about how our ex-boss um asked me to estimate something mm. and i turned out to estimate it incorrectly and he said bad jeff <laughs> naughty jeff mm. In your bed, mm. go and sit in the corner. Mm. Think about what you've done. Think about how you've let yourself down. How you let your team, how you let your family down, mm. and that sense of shame mm. of having to go and sit in the naughty corner. Now, I, I want to say, don't call social services. It wasn't literal. <laughs> he didn't literally make me sit in the naughty corner, but there was that sense of, I've let I've let people down here, and I actually there's a big part of me that thinks. 
this is this is a can of worms for another day, right? But I actually think we've lost a little bit of that. Mm. And I don't think that's a good thing. I think we should feel a little bit more shame. Mm. We should feel a little bit bad when we don't achieve things. But it's got to be within limits. But so, yeah, you can't really have psychological safety if there is this threat of a metaphorical naughty corner or a naughty mm. step. But I'm interested. So tell me more about why you think your little boy wanted to go and sit in the naughty corner. I think... I think it's interesting because I think the partly because it was there's a little bit of a he he knew that he hadn't done anything naughty. Okay. So, so it was safe to it, be in the naughty. It corner. was yeah because it was a non-threatening and almost artificial label. Yeah. Of that. And no, there was no stigma attached to that table. It was just just a bit of fun, just a bit of landlord humor. Um so I think and I think so. Here's a different slant on on the word as well. Naughty. So to 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 contra not to 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 counter what you're saying there about psychological safety. The word naughty to me talks sounds is more about mischievous okay. and it's and it's more playful. Okay. Rather naughty because not maybe for me naughty is being associated with children. And and the, the idea of playful mis mischievousness, harmless mischie mischievousness. So when your teacher called you naughty, yes, you didn't feel shame. Well, I did, but I I I probably fe felt a child's shame rather than you know yeah. genuine. I think if I think if somebody called me naughty now, I I would agree with you. Yeah, I, I think they don't. It's it's a sliding scale. It's not I'm a little shit <laughs> or something else. Naughty, yeah, I think is kind of a sanitized version of a dis of disapproval. Yeah, and it's almost like a um a, a little bit a little a little bit dangerous, a little bit uh, edgy. Well, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I th and I, I think there's a, there is a I think there's we need th to be a, a little bit naughty. There's a there's a goodness. There's a a benefit, an opportunity about on being on on being on the edge of naughtiness. I say that because I've spent my whole life being naughty. I don't play by the rules. Yeah, you're good at that. <laughs> I, I want to change things. But isn't there's a, there's I, nearly, a, I nearly got kicked out of school multiple times. But all for good things. I but think. there's there is a huge air of of being a scrum master that that is a little bit about challenging, breaking things, yeah. and and but breaking things for 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 the good for the good yeah for the for the common good. You can't get a new future without breaking the current status quo. No. Um, but dead scrum masters are used to scrum master. It's true. Um, yeah, I, 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 I like, I like naughty. I think there is an element of. Yeah, we. I think we are not. Maybe not all of us, but I think a lot of us are drawn to that rebellious nature. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a. Yeah, there's a, a living a kind of that. It's, a, it's an adrenaline rush of, of. I'll say it. I'll come out and say it now. Um, I I uh, I took a suite from the uh, pick and mix in Woolworths in Exeter, uh, and I felt. I, How I, old were you? Uh, eight. Oh crikey! 
You can remember that. Yeah, I remember all sorts of stuff. But yeah, it's like, oh, it's like the adrenaline of, oh God, I've got it. Uh, and, and another thing I did uh, that I didn't realize I'd done was I'd walked out of about the same age. I'd bought a birthday card and walked out the shop without paying for it. Well, so you didn't buy a birthday card. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I t- I'd take it and I think I'd held, I was holding it whilst looking at other things. Yeah. And I thought, oh no, I'm not going to buy any of that. And I just walked out of the shop. I, I I didn't get caught, but I thought, and that's that's. Did that, you go back? Yeah, I did go back, and I handed it back in. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I think, and that's that's not that's not but that's not nor, is, that's not being na- naughty. Is, I think is well, more was conscious. unconscious. Yeah, more yeah. naughty is a taking conscious. the sweet was naughty. Yeah, taking the card wasn't. No, but taking the sweet wasn't naughty with good intent. You weren't trying to make the world a better place. No. You weren't it was trying purely, to make it was a better place. It was selfish. Yeah. And I'm ashamed of myself. Well, it was a learning experience, <laughs> I'm sure. Can you think of any examples of where you... Well, I can give you one. Mm. Um, you went out to PC World. <laughs> you bought you bought a, a, a server or yeah. a, a big old uh, PC on mm. the company credit card yeah. because you couldn't be bothered to no. wait. <laughs> no, no, no. So our lead time to get you were, you, deployment you yeah to get a server was like a year and we wanted to deploy something in you know 90 days or 30 days or whatever yeah so the only way we could deploy it was to get my own piece of kit so you went to pc world in the car yeah. put it in the boot yep jobs are good and you often say um you used to say to me i remember it was it's easier to get forgiven a forgiveness forgiveness if i can say it than permission yeah it is in most situations, it is. So that's being naughty for the for the cop for the well, good. Well, if if you're being naughty for good reasons, it's easier to get forgiveness than permission, mm. right? So if you can justify it, yeah. So if I can say I've thought this through, these are the reasons why I think it's going to help us. This is how I've mitigated the risk. If I'm caught, then. I can live with myself. Mm. Ultimately, my view was, if they sack me for this, mm. this isn't a company I want to be working yeah. at. Um, and I know that's a privileged way of looking at things. But um, there is, a, if I'd have known about the idea of fear setting back then, I'd have still done it, but I'd have felt even more confident. Mm. Um, so we'll put a link to fear setting in, in the show notes as well, maybe. But um Yeah. So I think you've summarized it quite well. That if if is it fair to say being naughty is easier if you've got a strong kind of um, sense of your own judgment around around that you can mm. you can qualify and you can perhaps yeah. study and weigh up the pros and cons before you do it. Yeah, definitely having rather than frivolous naughtiness. Yeah, one of the things you, know, you and I both encourage people to be a little bit naughty. Mm. Um, and largely I think that's partly cultural because we live in the UK which is very permission based mm. and so we're encouraging people to think well, what what are you assuming here that just probably isn't true and actually are the consequences worth the benefits Yeah. Um, so actually giving them a structure to think these things through to actually assess and critique the assumptions that they have um, makes it easier to make them more difficult scary in their view risky uh, decisions so i think that really really helps i partly made those kinds of calls 
because I I consider that to be part of my identity. Mm. That that's I, I that was me. Mm. Rebel without a cause. Mm. Um, I'm a little little less risque now. You reckon? Well, yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm. You calm down a bit in your old age. Well, who knows? <laughs> I'm not the best judge. <laughs> well, um, I think there's something to be said for, and I often, I like to think I'm a fairly good judge of character. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm not. But um, I often say to people that I'm coaching, um, you should trust your instincts. So, in ter- if you know, if you've got instinctively, if you think I'm doing this for the right reasons even if it feels a little bit naughty mm. then you know if you've if you've asked yourself two three times and it's still coming up with the same answer so i'm going to make a note mm. just because of time mm. i really want to go into that topic more okay but i don't think we've got time for it here okay we'll save so it I, for another one so i'm going to put what you're writing down trust your instincts instincts because i want to go back to that in more detail but i did make another note earlier on which i've yeah. never seen by making About that mistakes we were aware of mistakes i saw an interview with michael kane from years ago yes where he 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 was t- i don't know who was interviewing him um but he was he said about how the the one thing he used as his motto growing up and with his kids was use the difficulty. Yeah. You familiar with that? I've, I've seen the video clip okay. of the interview. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll paste the link. But for those of you that haven't, the, he went he, going to some play somewhere and he was in the wings waiting to go on and there was a thing on, going on on stage and things were getting heated and so-and-so threw a chair and, and the chair got in the way of the door that Michael Kane was supposed to come through. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and Michael Kane said, I, I can't get through. I can't get through. What do I do? And someone said, use the difficulty. He said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, if this is a comedy, you you make it funny that you can't get through the door. If it's a drama, you pick up that chair and you smash it or whatever. Yeah. You use the difficulty. And that sense of turning a problem into an opportunity, I think, is, is quite very, is, you know, it's relevant to this idea of this uh, psychological safety. Play into that difficulty. So mm. if, if you are feeling vulnerable, maybe overplay it. Mm put it out there mm. saying I feel I feel really nervous here mm. I don't know no it's not it's, yeah it's definitely of of owning it and kind of um, accepting it as it is and not I trying. love Michael Caine yeah love Michael national national treasure absolutely um, any champagne moments for you this week sir champagne moment Champagne. Yeah, I'd like to. Um, I'd like to pop a cork, so All to speak, right. yeah. for um, if we had one. Well, I'm gonna steal some of your slash my slash your slash my beer. Yeah, um, for one of my good um, and long-lived clients and friends at the company called Maiden uh, in Bath, Team Maiden have uh, written a book, uh, and it's a book based on um, their own journey as a, as an organisation. Uh, and they've journeyed from the very beginning all the way through to a company which has now um, grown a lot over the last uh, few years and also grown in such a way from with an agile kind of setting an agile um, theme Mm. ethos is the right word around one which is very which and the book is called made without managers so they're a company which has thrived from not having a hierarchy 
job titles and just allowing people to be in control of their own work mm. and work in that way. So well done to that team. I know a few of the uh, the authors behind it. Mm. It's very much been a team effort. So well done to them. And it's yeah, it's it's the sign of a a successful ongoing journey. Are you featured in that? Because you've helped them along the way. I uh, do you get a nod? I do get a nod. Oh, yeah, good. and I think I'm. I did. Uh, they asked me to do a, a little. Uh, what do you call it for the inside cover? Quote, forward? Quote. It's not a forward, but it's just a little quote for the inside. Okay. Yeah, very good, very good. Actually, uh, only the other day, I was talking to someone on the phone. I was talking to a recruiter, mm-hmm. actually, um, about something unrelated. And they used Maiden as a sort of model. Mm. Uh, I don't think they knew that I knew of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're, they're getting recognition for what they're doing. They are, yeah. So yeah, have a look. Oh, it's on Amazon now. If you want to uh, have mate. a look, well done, team well done. Not not champagne, but hey, there you go. We've got a beer. Have a drink to you. Any for you? Champagne moments? Um, no, I'm hoping my champagne moment comes tomorrow when we catch a twenty pound carp. <laughs> well, when I catch a twenty pound carp, we'll put the champagne on ice. Shall we for now for that one? Yes. So probably only time for last orders. Last orders. Last orders. <laughs> Drink up, ladies and gentlemen. Haven't you got homes to go to? <laughs> so I'll, I'll, we, we've talked about naughty, and um, I, I might embarrass myself here because it's in my it's in Scrum Mastery at, <laughs> at the um, so at the start of each section there's a there's a little quote yes and the quote at the start of disruptive which yes. is a characteristic I encourage Scrum Masters to have is from the musical Matilda yes and if you haven't seen it it's brilliant it's actually turned into a movie recently um, probably the, written by the, the Tim Minchin that's it, the, Tim uh, Minchin, yeah. the, the music the, and lyrics the international gesture for Tim Minchin <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah so um, so Matilda precocious for eight year old I think um, and she's often regarded as naughty, but she's you know she's talented and she's 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 great. She's she's wanted to do good things. Um, and at some point she says, "Look, yeah." You know, but nobody else is going to put it right for me. Nobody but me is going to change my story. Sometimes you have to be a little bit naughty. Um, so there, that's my last orders. Mm. And drink and sprint. Responsibly. Until next time. Cheers. Cheers.